You're listening to the American Alpine Club podcast, your guide to the climbing community. In this episode of the podcast, we're featuring a conversation between guest host and AAC board member, Cody Camerlin, and USA Climbing's head coach, Josh Larson. Cody and Josh hang out at the USA Training Center to record this conversation and talk team culture, behind the scenes of comp training, and even a bit about how the Olympics is shaping competitive climbing. This isn't your typical training podcast. We're taking a deep dive into the inner workings of an ever-evolving and cutting-edge part of our sport. Listen in to get some insights on the philosophy powering the USA Climbing Team from the coach who trains some of the best climbers in America. Since 1981, outdoor research has created trusted apparel, accessories, and equipment for you to thrive outside. Their award-winning outdoor gear is meticulously researched and tested for outdoor enthusiasts and military users around the globe. Grounded in their values of curiosity, passion, innovation, collaboration, and community, OR strives to create space for all in the outdoors. OR celebrates wins outside at every level together with their ambassadors, nonprofit partners, and employees. Check them out at OutdoorResearch.com. How about we intro each other? I'll do my best Josh impression, and you do your best Cody impression. Wait, <coughs> voice? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the Boston version. So I'll let you go first. Hey, my name's Cody Camberlin, and I'm from Oregon. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> that was great. Let's see if I can let's see if I can do this. Uh, hey, I'm Josh. I'm uh, I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts, and uh, coach the USA national climbing team. And uh, <laughs> listen, I'd have been here earlier, but I got stuck in bumper to bumper, so. What are you going to do about a tough guy? So just, just turn your mic on Shit. and uh, ask your questions. Shit. And, and I got to get home to my wife, Charlotte, <laughs> my dog, Lulu, Charlotte. and I'm going to drink some beer. <laughs> kid. Nailed it, kid. Was it good? You freaking nailed it, kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. All right. So, yeah. So, Josh, who are you and uh, where are we? And, um, yeah. And uh, what are we about to talk about? My name is Josh Larson. Uh, I'm the USA Climbing head coach. Uh, we're currently sitting inside the USA Climbing Training Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, and I guess that's going to explain there might be a little bit of background noise, um, but the training center is essentially a massive warehouse that has been converted to a world-class training center by you and the crew. Yeah, we've had a training center uh, in operation since mid-2019 when the organization moved to Salt Lake City from Boulder, Colorado. And ever since then, we realized like a training center is what's going to bring athletes uh, together. It's what's going to shrink our massive country size into one small little pocket of training for our team. And this is now, so that was 2019 was our first 
Uh, we had one resident athlete showing up at our first training center, which was Nathaniel Coleman. And now this is our fourth location, which we've, you know, moved so four times now. And uh, we have upwards of 30 athletes attending the training center weekly. So it's a dream come true. And when it first, you know, it was just like a pipe dream when we first started talking about it, that we were just like, there's no way. And, and now we're here, we're like trying to figure out how to manage this many people. And it's such a great, not problem, but great, great thing to have. That's awesome. That's what, yeah, it's, it's been wild to witness it, you know, kind of, kind of secondhand, I guess, uh, through you and just kind of just seeing how things have formed out over time and how big it's gotten. So can you take us through like just a, a day in the life at the, the training center? Sure. Yeah. I mean, the training center operates it's, so it's a private facility. Um, you know, athletes have to have access, whether it's through a ranking or an application. So we try to keep it exclusive. We try to keep it private and very, it, it's training focused, but like it's, it's all, it's all, it's all fun. I mean, climbing is fun. That's why everyone's doing this. So we, we keep that at the core, but, a, a you know, a, a typical day in the training center, where do I begin? There's so many different days here and different lives that walk in and out of this building. I mean, essentially, I'll, I'll, I'll break it down into uh, my side of the day and then the athletes and, and what like the goal is. Um, I come in about an hour, hour and a half before the athletes get in. I prepare some boulder problems, send some emails, whatever. Athletes usually roll in at 10. And um, with a lot of the athletes, we have a we have a training program, of course. And, and you know, we We'll talk about the training program in the morning, kind of like, you know, the the goal of the day is what? Is it to do power endurance? Is it to get on slabs? Is it to run a simulation? There's a lot of different, so athletes will come in with different objectives for each day. So I, I try to adjust my day around their day because I'm here for them. So for example, Natalia Grossman comes in and we have a plan to get on the spray wall and do an hour and a half of power. And then we'll go in the back in the horseshoe and we'll do some slabs and some skills. And, um, you know, as the athletes kind of like drift in, you know, some, some of the athletes roll in later than the others. Um, and, you know, kind of, there's kind of a, a unspoken rule, but I definitely remind them like, you know, the last person that walks in is going to be um, are, are, a, uh, are, are cleaner. So they're going to be cleaning the pads at the end of the day or helping me strip boulders or something. And, and that's the one thing that I think is the biggest takeaway for me about this training center and, and the team is the team culture. Like everybody is here to be better climbers, but they also support their fellow athletes to be better climbers as well. And everyone's helping each other. Everyone's supporting each other. Everyone's helping me out because they see the workload too. And okay, these holes need to be washed or, and, and brought into the back. The pads need to be vacuumed. You need some help with a construction project, Josh. Like everyone has made this like their little home and uh, their home away from home. And it's just really like, to me, I've seen it change our team dynamics on the road. And that changes our results. That changes the athletes' mindsets uh, in, in competition. So the, the team culture is, is the most important thing for me. And be, if we, if we have a good foundation there, then we can build. But if we have a rocky, you know, athletes that aren't, you know, helping each other out or helping out around the training center or just not committed that way, it's just a whole different game when you get on the road and when you get into isolations with each other and, and yeah, 
kind of spun off from our, our daily, but we talk about those things daily. We, we talk about how cool the culture is and how fun it is to, to be here. And for sure, there's days that are harder than others for everybody, but yeah, I mean, and then the training session continues and generally we, we end a lot of our sessions either with no hands slab. So we have a wall over here just behind you, Cody, where there's just like, you can't use your hands. So you have to trust your feet. And it, a lot of the World Cup style boulders are, you know, like how much do you believe in your in your footwork and in shoe rubber and all these things. So like getting on slab at the end of the day is nice because it gives your arms a break or we want to work the arms a bit more and and, and just get into some power endurance. Um, and then around three, people start filtering out. Some people see Zach DiCristino, our, our uh, in-house physio, our team physio, which is sick. A lot, not a lot of teams around the world have a in-house physio. So athletes can go to him with, you know, a little, you know, shoulder tweak or just like kind of a recovery session. And then they hit the road and we do it all over again the next day. And it's fun. I mean, every week is different. Every day is different. So it's hard to summarize like what a day in the TC is like, but that kind of gives you a general idea of it. There's like at 10 a.m. There's like techno happening. It's like club TC, like, and there's music battles and, you know, I want the door closed. I want the door open. There's like all this crazy stuff going on and there's it balance between, between it all and all the athletes. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I go home smiling and I, I know the athletes do most of the time as well. You know, it's awesome because I can't tell you how many times that, you know, we've been over at your place, get a big crew together for dinner after you've been here at the TC working all day, or I'll be at one of the, you know, one of our public gyms at the front or Momentum and, and see some of the USA climbing athletes come in and they're still psyched. Like yeah. you would think after a full day of doing this, you would all be exhausted, but every one of you, you're just friggin' psyched to be doing what you love to do. It's true. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I want to dig into that. Like, you know, as the team shows up, how that culture is expressed into, you know, the comp scene and what you think is happening to the comp scene. But I also want to kind of level set for people who are listening who maybe uh, don't climb in gyms that often. So, or they just like, you know, mostly like what they've seen in a gym is like a commercial setting. So they're not used to big spray walls and like, you know, some of these technique walls, like, you know, when you say no hands, I think a lot of people are going to envision like a whole bunch of holds everywhere, but this no hands is, I mean, it's smooth. <laughs> There's nothing on it. So if you can just describe like spray wall, no hands, and maybe what the horseshoe is to like level set for people and then kind of give them an idea of that. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, you, yeah, you walk into the training center and, and there's this kind of this like first tunnel of climbing walls that you see on the left side is our comp wall and on the right side is our spray wall. And what's the spray wall? It's basically uh, a woody, you know, it's like what you'd see in anybody's garage, right? But it's like times... 50 whatever it is we were just talking about like what's the price value of all the holds in the spray wall guesstimates around forty thousand dollars worth of just holds in the wall and that's that spray wall that that kind of tool is we use it for everything we use it for power we use it for power endurance endurance we use it for canvassing we use it for all these different facets so it's it's just a very important tool that we need to to have. And it's also something that we've perfected over the past four years of spray wall in different TC locations. So th that's kind of like, it's, I wouldn't say it's, maybe it is the heart of the training center. Without it, we would, we would just have comp boulders and, and those are very valuable. So like, as you, as you move through the TC, you have comp boulders on the left. So every Wednesday I'll set with, with another setter, um, or, or just myself, we'll set like a round, a simulation for the athletes. So they experience uh, a time format movement that's there they might see in a competition in a world cup 
and a little bit of a friendly competitive atmosphere, friendly supportive um, atmosphere. And so Thursday night we have upwards of 20 to 30 athletes roll through and music gets louder and athletes just like get in the zone. And we, we, do a, we do a simulation almost every week, which is unheard of, in my opinion, as like what, what other teams are doing. And we see a lot of value in it because we can take, we, we, we can just experience like more of that, like what you're going to feel in a competition, the strategy, the mental side, the, the style of the boulders. And we can like start digging deeper. Uh, and, and me being one of the setters too, is I can see what trends are coming and see what the athletes are struggling with and apply it to the to those next rounds so the comp wall is super important to have uh, and then we have these two skills walls we have a, a wall in the back we call the horseshoe and it's very low angled walls but we just basically like set situations is what i call them it's like a two move boulder and those are those are really fun they're interactive basically i'll i'll have the drill in my hand we'll be playing on a boulder and if it's either too easy or too hard i'll make an adjustment and the adjustment is good because it puts the boulder maybe right at the level that we need it at, but it also shows the athletes like what a little adjustment can do. So having that, that like, so the privacy of the, the TC, but also the interactive part of a boulder um, teaches the athletes a lot about like what, what a simple turn can be. And then we have a, a wall that we were talking about earlier is the no foot, uh, sorry, the no hand wall. Um, and yeah, it's basically I'll, I'll set like three or four boulders and it's just meant to be with your feet and you're supposed to walk uh, across a volume or tiptoe on these little jibs. And, and really, it just comes down to like, if you can do this without your hands, imagine what you can do with your hands and, and a lot of good footwork and a lot of good trust. And it's a great like kind of session ender because your you know, shoulders are taking a break. We have a coffee stand here that I made because coffee is really important with climbing as well as a plant, you know, there's like two green things in this entire gray and dark warehouse. One of them is a plant and the other is a piece of carpet. And like, I don't know, there's just like a lot of like life that I try to bring into this place. We have some of the athletes donated some furniture from their backyard. We've set that up. We have Christmas lights. We've tried to like cozify this place and really bring up like, we're not in a warehouse, we're in a training center, you know, but you know, you like look 10 feet to the left of some of these things and it's, you know, old construction signs and you know, hard hat warning signs and all these silly things, but it, it's grit. And that grit goes a long way. That's, that's grit that you, you know, you can't like invent grit in a, in a fancy building or a fancy gym, you know? So it's, yeah, it's, it's hot in the summer. It's cold in the winter. That's grit. It's good. It's perfect. Yeah. Every time that I ever see this place, I always think grit. Yeah. I mean, that's the perfect word for it, man. And I think it, like you said, it like, it's comfortable. It feels like you can hang out here with your fellow team members and, and like rage, but it, it's forcing you to, to like really want it. You know, it's not like a nice air conditioned commercial gym, right? It's, it's, it's awesome. So I think that's a great segue though, like to, so when you take this culture and what you've created here and you take that out into the competition scene, um, and I mean, no one loves this stuff more than you. And I think you're so great at talking about, I'm just gonna lob the questions up and let you go. You know, it's kind of like not only what, what do you see happening with the comp scene? But I think layers in that. Do you think that the Olympics have impacted it? And if so, how? And also, I think for a lot of people, like, what is that comp scene? Is, you know, there's the national team, there's World Cups, there's local comps. Like, how does that all kind of interplay with one another to lead up to, I guess, now the ultimate, right? The Olympic stage. Yeah. Maybe we start at, like, yeah, the national level or local local comps? Yeah. Start, awesome. start there and then we can get, yeah, to yeah. what the Olympics have 
I've done what yeah. I, what I think maybe. Yeah, I mean local local comps are like everyone that has been has has won a World Cup or have been to the Olympics in climbing, they were at a local comp at one point in their life, right? And they probably still go to some too because they're really fun. But yeah, starting in local comps and, and working your way into the national series. Uh, USA Climbing has a great competitive series around the country, Canada, and and now South and Central America. That um, yeah, you can you can kind of have this like little mini international series, you know, where it's just kind of, you know, within reach for a lot of people financially and, and, uh, performance wise, but essentially, yeah, you, you basically like you, you start on this national cup series and then you qualify for our national event, um, which is, you know, maybe like top 100 from the national cup series. So it's pretty big. We're trying to cast a big net for our national event. And part of our national event is one of two selection events for the final national team. And the national team, essentially like going through the national event and then the next event, our team trials, those two events will select our national team. And our national team is 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 made up of five male and five female in bouldering and lead and in speed. So the total team could be about 30 people. And yeah, so basically once you make national team and your respected discipline, then you are now now you have benefits from national team you have free memberships at gyms you have access to the training center uh you can uh compete at international events we'd basically take the the qualify you know freaking train in the background now <laughs> yeah so so as they progress through nationals they're, then they're invited to team trials event and then from our team trials we take the 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 total point value of their their ranking and they 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 make teams so yeah oh yeah we already talked about that so team yeah basically we're once once we form our our national teams then it could be a matter of a month or two until we we start hitting the road for international events and then throughout the season depending on the season so so this year right now it's 2023 we're we're in an olympic qualifying year so it's big kind of kind of big really cool and the, the, the format is, you know, since 2020 Olympics, it was all one, one event, the combined event. So lead speed and Boulder. And now as we're going into 2024 Olympics, we have, we have two disciplines now. So one is Boulder and lead combined event and then speed, which is great. Cause now we, now we get to see speed being its own discipline, which is kind of where everyone wants it to be. And, and it, it deserves its own spotlight. And then the boulder and lead discipline is, a, it's a little tricky. There's, you know, like the World Cups have been working in a way where it's all single discipline. There hasn't been a lot of combined events. But in order for us to to get into the 2024, we had to come up with some solution for a, a lead and boulder discipline. So yeah, that's where we're at right now. And yeah, I, I guess, yeah, where, where else do you want to go from there? I, I don't want to drift off too much. No, I think that's that's perfect because, you know, I think we're curious uh, to kind of show the listeners or illustrate for the listeners, like how you think that the Olympics have impacted that whole scene that you've described, the whole comp scene, you know, and in part, like how do you how do you translate what I imagine is a lot of extra pressure now? Not only is there a World Cup stage and I have this layer of an Olympic stage, how do you translate that here in the training center from maybe pressure into psych and focus and commitment and, and all of that uh, in the athletes? Some are quite young. You know, they walk yeah. in here at uh, what's the youngest that an athlete can join the team? The six, 15, 16. Yeah, yeah. I think about myself with that. I, I 
Yeah, sure. I can't imagine yeah. facing down an opportunity to be in the Olympics at that age. Like, yeah. yeah, curious how you dig into that. Well, we've only done this once so far, right? True. So <laughs> well, the, our, our approach the first time was, you know, no, knowing that it's there, knowing that it's important to the people that want it to be important, but also kind of like just leaving it in the in the background in a way, knowing that we're we're still training for the same things that we've been training for. We're not competing against anyone different. We're not competing on another planet. We're we're not doing something that we're not used to doing. You know, we're we're used to competing. We're used to training for these pressure events, whether it's an Olympic event or uh, a World Cup or World Championship. It's it's still all the same things that you're used to doing, right? And the big thing is having that that making sure that you can let go of that like that big name it's really just the name right the olympics it's the same people it's i called it the most expensive world cup semifinal you could ever have it was tw- top 20 make semifinals at world cups 20 people went to the uh, the olympics and it was like those are the same 20 people you competed in with two week two weeks ago in france you know it's like you boil it down and if, as soon as you start zooming out i think it's makes a bit more sense you know so we approach it in that in that kind of sense and we're not here like we got to train for the olympics today we're gonna crush this boulder and you know there's not olympic rings hanging everywhere it's like we're still climbing you know i'm still telling athletes to get on the rock we're still psyched on world cups i think with that like without reminding them and or as you know without this like constant reminder that there's these big looming events i think it's easier to just focus on like what you need to do each day hit those hit those micro goals to to reach your big goal right so less outcome oriented for sure is how we've been able to to manage like pressure i love that and what do you think the relationship between outdoor rock climbing and comp climbing is because i mean to to find somebody who loves outdoor climbing and comp climbing as much as you do would be a challenge i think Hmm. um which is why you're such an part of why you're such an incredible coach you just love this sport and anybody who wants to do it so much. So, you know, when I hear you talk, I hear so many similarities. So let's say you have a a spring project on a rope, right? It's that same commitment. It's like, well, you've done something like this before last year you projected. Why should this feel any different, right? So I think there's some similarities, but I'd love to hear, you know, your thoughts on those. Yeah. I mean, a few things popped in my head as you asked that question. One was the amount of times I hear youth athletes whether they're national team athletes or on youth teams in, in cities across the, the States, like, I don't want to rock climb. And I go, yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> you do want to rock climb. Cause I see you have so much fun in here and you train and you're freaking good at climbing. Yeah. But it's like, Oh, rock, you know, all these things. And everyone's got a thing about it. Right. But it's like, you know, we're lucky we're in Salt Lake City, Utah right now. And, and 20 minutes down the road is Little Cottonwood Canyon. And mm-hmm. hello, techie granite. Like if you want to do a no hand slab, you're living in the best city for it. Right. So like just showing I, I, I think like going back to the question of like what's what are the, what's the value and what's, what are the similarities? I think like the skills you learn in in rock climbing is like actually on rock. You can't really get inside as everyone knows. You go to a gym and you're like, well, this is so different. And you go outside and you're like, wow, this is really different. But why should I do either one? Like to, to be better at the other, like 
there's there's a lot of skills that you'll you'll get outside like climbing on techie granite and getting pumped in on sandstone and red river gorge like pacing on on you know mini jugs the whole way up a you know 150 foot cave all those skills that you learn outside can immediately transition to inside and no it's not going to be like a a a mirror image of what you just did but you're going to be able to come in with with just another set of skills and as we know in climbing you need every skill and more right you need to and you need to have these skills honed down like like super super dialed in so i think there's there's so much to be learned if you're looking at it like how can i apply my rock climbing to my comp climbing i mean and vice versa too you can look at training inside like a lot of climbers that want to send their outdoor projects where do they go to train they go inside to train they're on hangboards they're on campus boards moon board they're they're doing roots at the gym they're hucking laps like so th- you can see that they both they work together right how, how can you say plastic training doesn't make you good for rock climbing? That's been proven over and over and over again. So the other way works too. And, and for, for me, it's like my push is, you know, like, yeah, there's a time that maybe you shouldn't be climbing outside. Maybe it's two days before a comp or, or like you shouldn't take a trip a month before a big event, right? Like, like a, like a big, long, a long trip. You should be, you should be focused on what your goals are. If your goals are to perform at this event, then Okay, what's going to get me there? Okay, is it 100% inside training or is it 90% inside training and 10% I'm going to go outside a little a couple mornings a week and just run some circuits? Perfect. There you go. You're getting your outside time, you're getting those skills checked, and then you're getting your training in. I think it's it it lives it's possible for everyone regardless of where you live. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I want to like also dig into just I think one thing that we don't talk about a lot in these conversations is is the yous, the coaches, right? I think, you know, just from through our friendship and talking about this stuff, you know how I feel about athletics and coaches. I've been in various sports my entire life and my dad coached my teams and I just, you know, I'm a big football fan. So like, it's always centered on the coach and the QB, right? <laughs> and uh, and I think about like having gone on trips with, with uh, you know, post Olympics, we're on a trip uh, with one of your athletes and just seeing the trust that you two had, right? There were a climb that, by all intents, was probably quite a few grades below, quite a few grades below her abilities, but it was really, really tall. Um, and it was, I didn't try it, but it looked like pretty, <laughs> pretty hard climbing for, for what the grade was. And, you know, you're teaching her this new skill, how to project the high ball on a rope. And there was never a question. You know, I think a lot of people maybe would have been like, no, 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 I'm, I can do this without that. But her trust in you, here's this new system you've never gone on. And I'm going to show you how to do this. And then we're going to take the rope away and you're going to go up really high. <laughs> that is questionable. Like, you know, I think that there was some fear in her, but I think if you hadn't been there, it would have been a whole different scenario because she had this trust in you that you're not going to put her into a situation that she can't handle <laughs> and, and, you know, and succeed in. And so I want to like bring that in here every single day as you walk in these doors and you know that 20 to 30 athletes are going to be here and every single one of them either have a lot of trust in you or you're building that trust relationship with them how do you approach that with with athletes who are already quite strong and who also are doing this thing that you know any sport we can get hurt at but i think there's a high likelihood we've all been injured to some level you're getting them to push their physical and mental and emotional limits most of the time they're in here right 
Like, how do you approach that? Good question. Yeah. Short, medium, or long version? (laughs) I mean, we got, let's see. Uh, She is editing. We got time. Let's hear it. Well, I mean, I think, I think part, part of like when I, when I first got the job offer to come be head coach at USA Climbing, I had already had a relationship with a lot of the athletes, whether that was, I was on the same, I was, um, it was 2015 and 16. I was on the bouldering national team with Nathaniel Coleman and one of the years, Kyra Condi. And they're both athletes that train in the training center and athletes I work with daily. And I think that trust for, for people like that, it came from climbing. It came from traveling together. It came from struggling together and, and, and learning. They, they know my background as, as, as far as like my, my competitive background and my root setting background. And, and now like my passion for, for climbing and my like passion to, to help them. And I think like they, they just, I think they see that like there's, yes, I'm helping them come up with some, some training ideas and movement, but they just know that like my intentions are, I'm here for you and I'm going to do absolutely the best I can to give you what you need today. I'm not worried about tomorrow and Maybe I messed up yesterday and didn't, you know, but today. Right. And I think that's like each day, if we can keep moving that way, then it's, uh, it's going to just keep building to a a positive thing. Right. And, and then for some of the athletes that kind of came into Salt Lake that I hadn't really worked with a lot, but I've heard their names and, or bumped into them at some youth events as they come into Salt Lake, I kind of just tell them like, Hey, I'm here for you. If you need the time. I have a watch. If you want me to point a boulder, I have a, uh, I can point a boulder for you. If you want a training program for the week or a month or a year, let me know. And like just knowing that like I think just like breaking that ice and letting them know that I'm I'm here for them and I have really you know good intentions. Of course I'm human, right? But like I think just like starting there and then also they know I'm a climber. They know I want to get outside. You know, when I'm out of, done in TC or the weekend, I'm on the rocks. And they 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 respect that because, like, I'm just, I'm a climber, right? Like, I didn't get this job because I went to climbing school or, like, coaching. You know, I, like, yeah, I, I'm here because I'm a climber and I have the the, the passion and experience to to try to, to help these climbers be better climbers. Maybe not competitors be better climbers, but definitely climbers to be better climbers. And maybe humans would be better humans in some some way too, because that's like you know some of these kids are coming in at fifteen, sixteen years old, and they're just like, "Whoa, what, what is life? Where am I going? What are you know? How do I do this? You know?" And then you go on the road with them. They're sixteen, and you're in uh, Japan or you're in China, and you're like, "Oh yeah, here, come over here, little Tommy, and I'll show you. <laughs> you know, here's a Chinese buffet. Good luck." <laughs> But yeah, it's just like, it's fun. And, and I think, yeah, I think like humility might like sum it all up because they, they all got here because of what they've been doing, right? When they walk into this training center, when they get on national team, it, a lot of it is because of what they've already done. And I, res- and I respect that 100%. So I'm not trying to t- change anything. I'm just trying to add things. I'm so happy you said like, you know, humility and, and making good humans. Because we've talked about that before, and I'm curious your thoughts on you know climbing in general and also comp climbing. Like, how do you think 
What does that do to a person that in and of itself can make them maybe more humble and, and just a better person as they go out into the world and, and really represent not only USA climbing, but, you know, I think in a lot of ways as climbing proliferates into kind of broader society, kind of representing climbing in, in a lot of ways. And maybe I should say like representing climbing in their, their hometown or in their you know, there's social networks back home and things like that. Yeah. Uh, could you just say the question one more time? I... Yeah, I think that's fair because I think I rambled. <laughs> it's like, how does, you know, comp climbing and climbing at large, how does that impact somebody to make them more humble and, and maybe a, a better person as they represent USA climbing and, and kind of climbing as a whole? Yeah, it teaches, it teaches anyone, everyone, um, A lot. <laughs> I think, yeah, one, one thing, like, I guess starting simply and then it might just unravel. So we'll start simply, uh, that like climbing is, is a, is a, is a community based sport, right? You're, you're with people, but it's an individual sport. There's teams, but they're, you're competing individually, right? Aside from speed where it's, you know, at certain points it's head to head, but climbing itself is, yeah, it's community based. It's a culture. It's, as some would say, it's a vibe. But like, I think climbing is also so cool because it takes you all over the world. It is an engine for traveling. And whether you're rock climbing, you have endless places to go around around the world. But also as a comp climber, you're checking off countries and cities and spots you'd never ever go to, or you'd never think that you'd go to. So I think that alone, you know, from a 16 year old perspective, as you join, you know, you make the national team and you're looking at your opportunities this season, you're like, holy crap, I'm going to Japan, to Korea, to Italy, to France, to Switzerland, to China. Wow. When would I ever go to all those places in one year? Right. <laughs> back to back. You're going to Japan, to Korea, and then to Italy in three weeks. You know, that is really crazy. I think it, te it just teaches you like, just a whole nother life skill of communication and organizing yourself and organizing yourself is hard as you know um, an adult 38 year old but imagine you're 16 and now you're traveling the world and you're trying to figure out what to eat you just like that learning curve spikes so much when you when you start hitting other countries and you know miming your food orders because you can't you know you can't so it's just it's just so cool and I think it, it just shows you also like when you're when you're passionate about something like climbing and like bettering yourself and you put effort into that and you set yourself goals and you fail and you get a little bit closer and you fail and you get a bit closer. Those are like that's that's life, right? Like you're that's exactly what life is, right? It's same thing with the outdoor project. You pick a project, it seems big, and then you start chipping away at it and then you're like clipping the chains and you're like, oh word <laughs> like <laughs> that taught me a lot about perseverance and training and organizing and sketch you know like if, if you have a full-time job or if you're a student there's a, a lot of balance there right and some people are really good with all in and uh, all in and in climbing and then some people can't go all in and climbing and some people need a a, a a distraction a job a hobby a school you know there's a lot of some of the best athletes in the world right now are also like full-time in school and it's sick it's pretty it's wild so cool it's yeah. awesome so like that life skill to be like a professional athlete and to be like you know 
going for a PhD or whatever, bachelor's or something is really, really impressive. It's not easy. Yeah. They're not, they're not having like cruiser weeks every week. Totally. Right? <laughs> and that, that for sure, like that builds, builds confidence. Like, okay, yeah, I, if I did that, what else can I do? Right. Outside of climbing or outside of this school or whatever, or what's my next, what's my next proj? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's perfect. All right. So we're like, we're right up on time. Cool. I, I think it's cool because there's like USA climbing in the AAC. Right. And I like, I, yeah, I, I love both the, both the worlds. And mm -hmm. I think that like they could both intertwine more, right. Like supporting each other more and like, yeah, for the, for the, the youth kids going, I don't want to climb rocks to the, you know, the people that are climbing rocks going, ah, the Olympics are ruining the sport. You know, there's like, I mean, there's, 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 you know, importance to their opinions, of course, whatnot, but like, yeah, the, the, the zoomed out version I think is really like, we're all just trying to climb and push ourselves and chase our projects and our dreams. And it's, yeah, I, I'd like to, I push for it from my side as like the comp coach right i'm like climbing coach comp coach but i'm like get outside those are the roots dude yeah yeah and you know i i'm, I'm pushing like similarly from the aac side to like how can we and, and i'm not the only one like there's a lot of folks um you know on the board and and on staff and just members like how can we integrate better with with you know we talk about like the emerging climbing scene like gym climbers comp climbers but like you know emerging climbers does not that doesn't encapsulate comp climbers because comp climbers are a whole different level. There will be on emerging climbers. And so it's like, there has to be an intersection there. And Quinn Mason is, she's talked about that with me several times. Like she wants to get involved with the Alpine club and help introduce like younger generations to all parts of climbing. Like, here's what it can do for you indoors, outdoors. Here's what the comp scene can do for you. Collegiate, all that kind of stuff, which, I think it's really exciting. Like who could have thought that, you know, a decade ago, that would be where we are right now. Totally. Yeah. Like the, uh, I mean, there is going to be impact from the Olympics, right. In a negative, in a negative way, of course, just like anything, but with the right people kind of like, you know, in place to like kind of predict those things that are going to happen, the, the use of the land use going up and parking lots needing to get expanded and, and, initiative to like bolt new zones and get people in different places like i mean at the end of the day like i mean who doesn't want climbing to be cooler to more people and known to more people right like yeah totally. i mean back when we first started climbing you'd be like yeah i'm climbing they're like oh everest or trees or like what <laughs> and now you can you can you can have like more of a conversation about climbing with people where you're not just like oh i don't climb for speed and i don't you know like or i don't climb mountains only or i you know there's like it's cooler. I think it's like more of a, it's like less of this, like, you know, unknown sport and it's people can relate more. And Oh yeah. And you know, I think as, as more people come through, you know, programs like the, the team situation and, and even just, you know, their, their local gym, if they have good programs in place to steward climbing and their local climate organizations. And of course the national ones, USA climbing and American Alpine club and, and access fund and, and folks, I think that there's a, a way for them to kind of grow into and learn into a lot of what you have done throughout your entire climbing life. And that's develop routes and, and, you know, set in an indoor setting. And also as you travel, you always work with local 
you know, climbing folks and gyms and groups, like introduce them to different kinds of setting and into the comp scene and you do clinics and, and you help like raise awareness about how do you properly build trails and develop routes safely and, and all this stuff. And I think the bigger climbing gets, the more we have people doing that, it, it only serves to create more positive outlets for people to, to have in their lives when, you know, we need them. Totally. That's, yeah, that's a cool, cool way to look at it too. It's like, yeah, sure. There's more people coming, but what are those people going to do positively for the sport in a, in a, in a, in a good way? It's true. Yeah. That's sick. And all that talk about bolting and building trails got me psyched. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go build a trail right now. <laughs> yeah. We got to talk about, Oh, I won't. Yeah, we don't want to give away any secrets. No, today. no. There's no hidden areas coming exactly. out in the podcast right now. No, not at all. That's no. not what we're about. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably a good place to end it. Greenland. They're all in Greenland. They're all, yeah. <laughs> Iceland, too, man. The oh, volcanic for sure. rock looks so good on the skin. Looks, oh, it's amazing. Incredible. So I'll just do like some rapid fire, and I'm going to try to do it my best to like ask questions that will like kind of level set for. For folks like me, just, you know, moderate, psyched, passionate climbers, um, what is the lowest grade, do you think, on the spray ball that you could, like, come up with for somebody, as it is right now? The the running grade right now is V4. And V4 on a spray wall is, I mean, like, what's the lowest angle on this thing? Lowest angle is 42. Yeah, was a... Yeah. Uh, if you set a comp problem what's the what's like usually the like men's one women's one what are the grades usually that they're mm. going for Oof, it's funny i know you want a fast answer but i don't i don't ever look at comp holders as grades but if i had to grade a grade range anywhere from at a world cup anywhere between v7 and v12 <laughs> and you never know what it's going to be mentally it, how do you get ready for that that seems so wild to me you practice you pra- <laughs> <laughs> this whole conversation has been that answer <laughs> uh how many hours is a standard let's say you're not getting ready for trials for a cup for anything standard tc session for an athlete four to five beginning of the season base building probably three to four but we push for building that to to be about four solid hours and maybe the, the last hour is rehab and recovery and seeing Zach and, and PT. Wow. wow. We don't do a lot of double sessions. We used to. And I think the, the quality that you get out of one bigger session, you're not trying to leave this reserve for later. You're able to just put it all out there knowing that you're going to get a real good like 24-hour recovery rather than like a three. Heck yeah. Right? That's cool. So we've been, we've been playing with that a bit more and we like the bigger sessions. Nice. All right, let's let's uh, speed. Let's say, let's say you and I sat down for four really good training sessions. What would be a good time for for a common climber like myself to get? And you don't have to worry about my ego. Like a realistic time. <laughs> you, Cody, could run probably eighteen. And then what are what is John at and what is Emma at right now? Brosler, John Brosler is at. Five zero seven five point yeah something like this, and then Emma just hit a PR. Oh, I might get this a little wrong, but it's 
definitely in the high sixes, which is close to wor- women's world record. It might be unofficial. I think she might have unofficial. I'm not sure. Don't don't quote me on that. Wow. But she's right there. How many individual moves is oh. that? Okay, quick. One, two, three, fifteen. Cool. I don't know something like this, and not including foot moves. Somewhere in there, it's like give or take three moves. Uh, there's different betas. Um, it's. I mean, you're. Yeah, you're not on the holds. You're just like flying past the holds. Just you like know? everything's like, in intermediate. Every, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the best way to put speed climbing is your legs of the engine and your arms of the steering wheel, and you are just like powering. It's sick. That is nuts. Yeah. If you haven't watched the speed final before, speed qualifiers are sick too. But a speed final at World Cup or national level is insane. Head to head knockout, so intense. It's it's really good. It was. Uh, it's funny, uh, you know, going to the World Cup here in Salt Lake several times. It's always my favorite one. It's just pure adrenaline. Even in the car, you're like, God, you can't stop yelling for that, you know, six to seven seconds. It's wild. It's true. Yeah. And yeah, we'll have the World Cup here again in May and we'll, there'll be speed finals again in Pioneer Park. It's going to be sick. Heck yeah. Ooh, that's a good question. What does it take to go from nothing to a World Cup ready to rock, like building that? Like how many days is that? Like how, how many people? Probably dozen and a half people to plan it and build it, tear it down to maybe two weeks of actual like prep, maybe maybe 10, 10 days. Um, no, two weeks, because then they have to tear it down. So yeah, two weeks, it's, it's big. I mean, you, you're turning a, a grassy park into like a stadium. You know, with like a 15 meter speed wall, a hundred foot bouldering wall. Yeah. Why don't I, yeah. It's crazy. Wild. Wild. And then I guess last thing, just whatever you want to share, if there's anything that you think we didn't talk about that you really want to have everyone here. Man, climbing's just, just so great. Yeah. I don't know. What's, what are my final words here? What are my final words, Cody? I'm searching. I'm final like bouncing all about. over the every corner right now. Say them all. Say them all. Words I mean, plural, baby. <laughs> uh, I think it's just cool where climbing's taking taking people, where it's taken me, where I've seen people go from what's climbing to or what. Um, and I, I'll I'll say his name. Nathaniel Coleman asked me a long time ago in 2013 or 14. He's like. A World Cup? Where? Where? How? I was like, oh, <laughs> right in your backyard, and you know, it just boom. And now, now look at this dude, right? It's like he just he didn't. Yeah, he was just he didn't have. It's just crazy where it can take you. Is all I guess the the end of this end of the uh, point is. I think that just so many endless opportunities. Say yes to opportunities in climbing. Go on that road trip. Go fly to Madagascar. Go to that World Cup in Korea. Like, do it. Because, yeah, it's you never know what's going to happen. It's cool. Perfect, man. Boom. Heck yeah. Sick. Awesome. Well, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Cody. Sick. <laughs> this episode was hosted by Cody Camerlin and produced by Sierra McGivney and Shane Johnson. If you like our podcast, make sure you subscribe so you can get alerts every time we post something new. We'd especially love it if you left us a rating and a review. 